Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the UI Breakfast Podcast. I'm your host, Jane Portman, and today our special guest is Kostya Gorski, design lead at Intercom, and we're going to talk about designing messaging systems today. This episode is brought to you by the UI Audit. Want to design web applications that are actually useful to people? This book will help you adopt a smarter approach to UI UX, from product strategy to each individual screen. To get your copy, head over to uibreakfast.com audit and use your special promo code SUMMERTIME20 to get 20% off any book package. Hi, Kostya. Hi, good to see you. Uh, thank you so much for making it uh, today and for, for the time. Uh, thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Uh, I'm sure uh, Intercom being such a grand design figure, our audience is really eager to learn uh, how it works behind the scenes. So would you, would you please first tell us uh, what do you do there and a little bit about your background? And then I'm going to ask you how Intercom is organized and stuff like that. <laughs> sure. Uh, so my role, yeah, it used to be called Design Lead. We actually just renamed it to Design Manager, but essentially mm-hmm. it's the same role. Uh, I'm responsible for making sure that designers who work on several products are happy and growing and the teams are happy with them and teams are happy with the quality of design that we're producing. So it's effectively managing designers. Uh, they report to me um, and half of it is working with people and half of it is about products, uh, helping teams make product decisions, uh, dri- helping them driving product strategy, um, all sorts of stuff. Awesome. And and before joining Intercom, which which happened how long ago? Oh yeah, uh, it happened a uh, little less than two years ago. You had yeah before. You had pretty famous uh, roles in other places, right? <laughs> well, I don't know. Yeah, maybe famous in the small world. Uh, <laughs> I I used to be a design director at Yandex. Yeah, Yandex is one of the biggest Russian internet companies. Some people can call it the Google of Russia. Uh, I don't personally believe that's a good way of describing it, but this is maybe at least an easy enough analogy. It has m- multiple products like search and mail and maps and all sorts of stuff. And yeah, I worked there for six years. Uh, When I joined the company, I started as a product designer in mail and then worked with multiple different products. And when I was leaving the company, I was running an entire design team. Uh, So it was a crazy journey. Um, Yeah, I learned a lot in the process, definitely. Uh, Still decided to move on and joined Intercom. And yeah, also learned a lot here, which is really great. Fantastic. One of So if our listeners, some of them maybe don't know, but I'm also based in Russia and one of my friends used to work in Yandex and when I told her that I have you for interview tonight she said oh my god that sounds fantastic like a miracle almost (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that's good to hear (laughs) (laughs) awesome Uh, so Intercom has has I don't know how how large is the design team at Intercom because your product is pretty pretty big and complex and you also use a lot of funding too yeah well actually uh, inside Intercom is structured as very small teams. So each product team is like a teeny startup within the company. And usually it has just one product manager, one designer, and four to five engineers. 
Um, and we have multiple teams like this uh, responsible for different products. Like some team is building the messenger, some team is building the inbox, which is the other side of the messenger, where teams are, uh, the, the, yeah, the e inbox that teams are using to respond to people's conversations. Uh, or another team is working on the operator, which is our bot. Uh, another team is working on other products. Um, and in total, I think the product design team in Dublin is currently about 10, 12 people. I actually don't remember the exact numbers. Uh, we also have, a, like, our yeah, our main uh, R&D office is in Dublin. Um, we're also building R&D in San Francisco now, um, but we have just three product designers there. We're growing our London office, and there are also three product designers there. And I think that's it. We also have an amazing brand design team in San Francisco. There are about 20 people, I think, including designers, producers, and other roles. And they're responsible for all our marketing sites, um, landing pages, um, all sorts of visual design books, and yeah, many, many, many cool things that you can find. That sounds awesome. So one of your latest uh, latest launches was the new Messenger. And I would love to hear a little bit of the back background story, how, how you came up with, with that and uh, if you were involved in the process as well. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, so first of all, I'll probably just say a few words about the Messenger itself. Uh, yeah, it's a Messenger for businesses that people can install to their websites or into the apps and use to speak to people for all sorts of use cases like sales, for example, capturing and visitors on the website and converting them into leads and opportunities or for support if it's in the app uh, to help people. Um, so with the latest version, it actually came Almost all of a sudden, we haven't planned to launch the new version of the Messenger just yet. We were working on a very specific thing. We have another product, which is a little help center, a tool that helps people to write articles um, that can answer common questions and then publish them on the website, on the help center. And we were thinking of how to bring these articles to the Messenger so that people can browse the help center maybe before they even ask a question. That's particularly useful when they go to the website outside of office hours, so there are actually no support team live at the moment to help them, and uh, it may be just quicker to get a, find a reply yourself, find an answer to your question yourself if you're browsing the help site. So we were thinking about this, and uh, among lots of other different explorations, we thought, like, what if our messenger has something like a home screen? special place where we can put article search and maybe other things as well. We haven't really thought about like what these things could be. Um, on parallel, another team was thinking about bringing apps to conversations. Uh, what if we can allow our customers build little apps and like insert them into the conversations as little cards so that like small transactions can happen in conversations or some information, uh, etc. Um and then kind of all of a sudden, we thought that this idea, these two ideas can actually work together. So why not using apps, same apps that people can put into the conversations, why not also putting them to the home screen? And it immediately kind of like we, we, we thought that this might actually be an interesting product. Uh, and then just added on top of this a visual refresh because um, our latest messenger was launched, I think, like two years ago uh, and it was time to just refresh it visually. And yeah, it all happened. Fantastic. Well, uh, are you happy with, with the way the launch went? 
Oh, sure. Yeah, <laughs> we are very, very happy. It's great to see people starting using it in ways we couldn't have predicted. Uh, we also have lots of signups for the apps, actually. Right now, the platform is not... Uh, like it's open so, so to build an app um, a team needs to reach out to us and we will help them doing so but we already have lots of signups which is so impressive and just incredible to see did you have any challenges along the way or were the major challenges already solved by then in the previous versions Mm, I think the challenge here was just to deliver it um, quick enough, in a way, because uh, I think, uh, yeah, I think we're in a in a highly competitive market, and yeah, we, we were thinking of how how to make this happen, uh, and th- that was um, in many ways a project like the, the one that we haven't done ever before in terms of quality of work. We're really proud of the result, and it took uh, like we started it, I think, in. October, November, maybe. I don't actually remember the date, uh, but explicitly started working on it, I think, in December, and we launched it in April. So it was pretty quick by our means. And yeah, I think the challenge was just to run this project smooth enough. Mm-hmm. You've lately... Um, so you're a well-funded organization as opposed to multiple bootstrap products out there. And I've read a few design articles uh, talking about your latest redesign, for example. And I was pretty impressed with the number of uh, uh, tested versions that you roll out in order to, to make informed product decisions. Something like in the range of, you know, 8, 10. I don't know. That was for another product. So do you usually compare like dozens of versions of the product or how does the process go? Yeah, I think it depends. It depends on the nature of project. Um, for some features, we can uh, like we we usually start by exploring multiple different versions always uh, as part of the design phase, because like everyone knows, and we tend to say it often that design is cheap, engineering is expensive, so it's really cheap to explore multiple different options in design, and we usually start with very low fidelity and then trying to pick a direction. Uh, sometimes doing user research at this stage to help us make informed decisions of where to go. Uh, but then when we ship something, we usually also can ship a version uh, to a beta on a very small percentage of our customers and see how it works and get feedback from them and then usually rebuild it. And in this case, again, we can do multiple iterations before we decide to ship feature to everyone. Uh, last year, we were building uh, one of the features, which is a snooze mode for conversations. And I think it took us six iterations, six versions of beta before we were able to finally nail the decision and uh, decided to ship it to everyone. Um, so yeah, like in this sense, it can take quite a lot of time. With the Messenger, we were exploring multiple different versions in terms of like the architecture of it. Uh, the visual design, uh, the architecture of settings. Uh, But we haven't launched it to beta uh, because we wanted to do just a nice launch and announcement. And if people will spot the updated messenger on someone's website, (laughs) uh, the announcement may not be that impressive. Uh, So we made an explicit decision to not run a beta in this case, which is a risk uh, which we decided to take. And yeah, I think it worked out pretty well. Well, congrats once again on on the successful launch. Thanks. (laughs) Going from from your recent messenger to to the global scale of designing messengers in general, um, 
What can you say? Because messengers have pretty, pretty conservative design by nature. You know, those bubbles that go from one person to another. Yet we have so many platforms available for everyday use, starting from um, native uh, Apple messages to uh, WhatsApp, Telegram, uh, Facebook Messenger. And everybody figures out their own way of doing things. How do you think they are different? What makes them good? Yeah, that's a pretty interesting topic to discuss. <laughs> uh, it seems like there is really almost like a standard type of messenger. Um, and at its core, yeah, just as you said, it's just um, speech bubbles going back and forth between people chatting in the conversation. However, there are multiple different ways of doing it. And yeah, what's surprising to me that there are actually no common patterns. If you take any particular thing, like for example, inserting other content in the conversation, how would you insert GIFs or emojis or stickers or anything? Every messenger does it in a completely different way, which is fascinating. I, I have to really <laughs> believe this is the thing. Uh, but there, yeah, there are no common patterns for that even. Um, and if you think about the conversation part, again, there are multiple different ways of doing it. Like, for example, okay, there is one version that we can see in consumer messengers like Facebook Messenger or WhatsApp. But if we can see, if we can look, have a look at the business messengers like Slack, for example, they use a slightly different visual design for that conversation part where everything is left aligned and it's less about chat bubbles and more about like long lines of text and so on. Um, so that's definitely an interesting area to discuss and see. Uh, As a person with, uh, with, with, with years of design experience, do you have any personal preference towards uh, one or another pattern? For example, let's compare Slack and, uh, um, I don't know, something like uh, Telegram where you have speech bubbles. Uh, yeah, I think they just work for slightly different use cases. And if you see a desktop version of Telegram, it also, I think, by default is designed way more like Slack uh, than a um, like mobile version of Telegram, which is more for consumer usage. Um, so I, I don't think I, like I have any personal preferences. It's just interesting to see uh, that people approach it from slightly different angles. However, the core is the same. And it feels like messengers are mostly competing not in visual design or not even in UX of, I don't know, like inserting GIFs or stickers, but more in just things like security, speed, um, how, how fast the app can load, uh, reliability, those type of things. Uh, yeah, and obviously uh, privacy, which is a huge concern nowadays. Yes, definitely. Messengers vary dramatically in in their be in the in their cross-platform syncing, for example, between different devices. And uh, exactly. Skype is really known for <laughs> for doing that very bad. <laughs> which, by the way, what do you think of the latest Skype redesign, which drives so many people crazy? Yeah, it's a very bold move, actually. Uh, I was also surprised the first time I launched uh, it. Uh, it was like, oh my god, yeah, where is everything? How to do basic <laughs> things? I, I don't really have time to explore it. I'm currently already late for a call uh, with someone, and I need to find this person, and it's all a bit of a, yeah, <laughs> a bit of a disaster. Um, I don't know what goals um, 
they try to achieve with it, frankly. Uh, probably they wanted, like I can only guess, uh, they probably wanted to build something like a modern messaging system or just do a, like a full refresh. Um, I think, again, like it's a very bold move, um, but given that the audience is using it in many ways and is probably somewhat conservative, uh, it'd be interesting, like, uh, is there any way to roll it out slowly in phases, maybe trying different things, as opposed to just changing it all completely overnight, and then you have to guess. I also, to be honest, I don't know if they consider it successful redesign or not. I don't have much idea about, like, what are Skype's numbers after this? Was it a successful redesign or not? So uh, I think like trying to judge it purely from an observer perspective is not a great thing to do. Um, yeah, I don't think a lot of people churned from from using Skype, particularly because of their redesign. But yeah, complaints were in place for sure. <laughs> Yeah, but then like people will always complain if something changes because people are yeah quite conservative and especially if it comes to a product that you use every day, you try to treat it almost like your own personal thing. It's like, I don't know, if you come home after work and then figure out that all the furniture is completely off, like everything was reshuffled and put in a different place and you're like, Jesus, what <laughs> is happening? It's my own room. How can someone replace things here? Uh, this is how people think about products that they use every day. Uh, so yeah, it's it's a difficult challenge. But again, like on the other hand, um, there is some change aversion. But over time, people can get used to things. And I'm, I keep using Skype. Uh, yeah, it was surprising to me when they changed it, but it hasn't changed like how I use Skype uh, in some serious ways. So I don't really know. I don't really know if like what are the results from them. If it helps them to have a new uh, unblock lots of new features, for example, then that's a great redesign. Yeah, definitely. Uh, one question I had in place for uh, for you regarding messages was um, intercom messenger is uh, can be applied to a lot of businesses out there. And it's always interesting to see what level of customization do you allow the users to do and what, what of them is kept standard for everyone, especially based on the new messenger. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it's also like, actually, the messenger is just one thing. Um, um, yeah, let's start with the messenger first. Uh, of course, businesses wanted to customize it to make it feel native. In our chats with the businesses, it usually comes down to a few things that are related to their brand. And first and foremost is colors. Uh, they want to change the color of the messenger. In the previous version, we allowed to just choose one basic color. Um, that was, yeah, the color of all the Chrome, color of speech bubbles, and so on. In the new version, we introduced two colors. So there can be a primary color and secondary color. Uh, I don't have details yet of how successful this is, as in how many people will really use all two colors or like how many people would still stick to one color. And that's an interesting thing to discover. Uh, apart from that, we allowed them to put their logo uh, on the Messenger home screen, which wasn't the case before. Um, but that's about it for now. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, of course, they can also customize texts like the introduction, the team intro. They can put their own apps, which uh, and this, this actually brings a whole new level of customization. If before it was just the Messenger and you can use it just like as a chat almost, now with apps, it can be anything. So people, people can 
put all sorts of apps on the home screen and that can be, I don't know, signing up for a webinar or a demo or uploading a product on product hunt or submitting a feature request or bug report or, or subscribing to a newsletter or reading a blog post, literally anything. Um, or calling them using voice. Uh, and this is a level of customization that goes far beyond just visual things, uh, which is way more interesting, I think. Um, so that's about the messenger. The other side, for example, is when you start using the messenger, we have um, automation, we have bots. And then uh, can the bot be customizable? That's another question uh, that we are trying to figure out now. Uh, and we believe that actually like this probably needs to be restricted, as in there are so many different bots um, that are not great if I can I, I don't know what nice words to put here <laughs> but everyone I think experienced situations when you chat with a bot and it's not a great experience and part of it sometimes is when people can choose any avatar or any name or they can even try to pretend that it's a human while it's a bot so there are lots of ethical questions with it uh, and um I think customization of bots is a uh, like much more w w way 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 more difficult question than just the messenger like its visual appearance or apps that are there. Uh, the, you just raised a very interesting topic uh, because uh, intercom messenger seems to be a way like the presence of bot is not exactly um, obvious to me, at least in, in some places. So what role does that, you know, artificial intelligence uh, play in, in the customer conversation uh, for most of the businesses or can businesses customize that? Yeah, we believe that um, it helps. It helps in many ways. It helps people, it helps customers who get to the website and start using this messenger to get their answer to their question quickly uh, or... Uh, be notified or be uh, directed to the right person to talk and it helps businesses to scale because for many businesses like it can be um, um, I don't know a teeny startup with just five people or ten people uh, but they already have a huge traffic on their site and if they just put a messenger they can get thousands of conversations per day and there's just no way they can reply to all of them no way and then bot is almost the only way for them to deal with this load of information and um uh, it's just great if a bot can handle simple questions, um, like suggest articles uh, that can provide answers to those simple questions, for example, um, and only direct people or like customers to human when it's really needed, when they're complex questions. And again, for example, doing some initial qualification, asking a few questions to understand um, how important this question might be to the team to help prioritize these questions. Um, so it feels like bots can play a huge role. The way of thinking about it, it's almost like a first tier of support that really helps with basic questions and helps to be directed to the right person for the second tier. Are you doing any specific tests that would measure consumer um, happiness about about these uh, the bots getting into the way between them and the support person? Uh, that's interesting that you're using the word getting into the way, because uh, I don't <laughs> feel it's that, yeah, I, I don't feel this way. I think the bot can provide an answer to the question and can do it much quicker than a human would do. 
And in many cases, for example, lots of the teams are not providing support 24-7. So if you get to the website in the night hours or like in a different time zone, there is no one to reply to you. And in this case, getting some answer from a bot might be really, really beneficial as opposed to waiting until, I don't know, eight hours before someone or like a day before someone can get and reply to your question. Uh, but yeah, we, we we are doing lots of user testing, uh, and we are try we are measuring people's satisfaction in this user testing, um, usually by just doing deep interviews and asking lots of questions and getting lots of qualitative feedback. We also have a thing which is called conversation ratings, uh, but we use it to mostly to um, help support teams figure out how to work better. Mm-hmm. The thing is, uh, sorry for putting it in such offensive <laughs> way, of getting into the way, but really we're all trained to see a big, uh, big voice menus, for example, when, when we talk about phone calls. So, uh, having artificial intelligence <laughs> layer, it's not always great in our experience. That's why the question was put that way. <laughs> yeah, of course. No, you're absolutely right. Like, there are lots of terrible experiences these days. Really terrible when you can, yeah, you can try to navigate through this menu and trying to get to a person and it feels like impossible thing to do. Uh, but this is, it just depends on how, how the bot is designed and if it's well considered and if there is always an escape hatch, a way to get to a human if you feel like you need it. Um, this is not a thing. Yeah, that's good to hear. One of the trends that we're observing in messaging systems in general everywhere is um, uh, emotional reactions. uh, Well, beyond adding emoji, that's pretty old. But emotional reactions to messages, uh, adding GIFs, adding like stickers and other stuff. How do you think, where is the balance between getting the messenger really media rich or keeping it basic? I think it like because we use the messenger to communicate and human communication is a very complex thing. We not only use voice, but there are lots of things like tone of voice or specific intonations that we use or like even body language, some gestures. And all this stuff is kind of invisible if we just um, simplify it down to short text replies. So messengers are trying to enrich this communication uh, by adding like different things. And I think it makes a lot of sense. I think it really makes communication um, more natural, more human in a way. It was fun that um, in the first version of Intercom Messenger, there were no emojis even. And there was never a customer request for this, uh, but we decided to bring them in at one stage. Um, Although, like, yeah, there was no such a goal. It wasn't visible on our radars as an important thing. It was just a vision or a belief that this is an important thing for the way people communicate. And we did it, and it was a huge success. People immediately started using it, even though we thought that maybe in business communication it wouldn't be so important. It turns out it is, and lots of businesses start using it. Um, And even, like, yeah, if you see the different... um, statistics of emoji usage in the past years it's growing rapidly um, not only in communication between people but also in communication between businesses and people Uh, so i think everything messengers can do in this sense is hugely beneficial it's interesting also to see that there are different means of communication like snapchat for example which is also a messaging messaging app in a way or like a a communication app. yeah yeah i've tried it many times i wasn't successful to be honest um maybe i'm too old for this 
can't really <laughs> get my head around. But people use it to communicate to each other, and there are definitely things that are cool and uh, important about it. Well, at least stories that were invented, invented by Snapchat are now became a standard almost uh, media that every other product is using. Um, so, yeah, like, <laughs> I don't know uh, if just short text can be enough for people to express everything they want to express. The thing is, when you're designing a messenger, there is always a balance of uh, the information that you put into each message. It makes it can makes you, make your screen look really busy. For example, if you decide to add instant, uh, an ability to click instantly for, for to add a reaction that suddenly clutters your interface, and so does so do timestamps, uh, potentially other things. And uh, where is that balance between enough information and not enough information uh, remains a question. I think should probably be decided for each individual case. Yeah, it depends. It definitely depends. Uh, some messengers are trying to hide this. Uh, some messengers show it. Uh, I think um it comes down to a simple test if you can just see like glance at the screen and understand what's going on there and you can see the content uh which is uh, of course the primary thing and it's very easy to see and you can understand it then it's working well if you can see lots of chrome uh to an extent where you start losing context uh then probably it's too much but i've never seen examples of it in real life Mm. It's interesting. For example, uh, in Russia, we have three popular uh, messengers being probably Telegram, WhatsApp, and Viber. I don't exactly remember which one of them, but probably Viber uses uh, smileys on each message and also does Skype Messenger, actually. And that looks, everything looks very weird and cluttered, <laughs> especially Skype's uh, having smileys on every single message on the desktop, a desktop app. It looks very weird to me. <laughs> Yeah, I, I probably agree. Uh, maybe they could have done something like um, hiding it. Uh, but I guess, yeah, they're trying to... Uh, like uh, Five years ago, everyone would say, let's just put it um, and show it them only when you hover over the text box. But I can see today that, especially for Microsoft, as they have lots of tablet PCs that can, can be used as tablets and there is no such thing as hover, they want to show everything up front, which clutters the screen. So yeah, that's a challenge. I wonder you've been you've been in design for years. So, is Intercom Messenger your really first like chat application, or do you have other experiences to compare with it? Well, I can certainly try to remember old days when people <laughs> were using ICQ or chats. Oh. In the web. <laughs> I mean, designing yeah. one. I mean, designing one. Oh, designing one. Um... Not really. Like we were working a lot on the mail email product uh, at Yandex, uh, but we were way more about just displaying people some information than necessarily communication between people. And that was actually one thing that was particularly interesting to me, and that made Intercom so interesting place for me to work. Um, is because it's working in this area of human communication and building communication apps and platform. Uh, as opposed to just showing information, which is also a very, very interesting thing, uh, but a different one. Great. If you were, so we have to wrap up today's episode. And if you were to give uh, one piece of advice to people who are faced with the challenge of designing a messaging thing, a chat from scratch, what would be the top advice for them? Uh, I think just trying to 
be as human as it's possible. Trying to think <laughs> of it not just like about sending bytes or characters of text uh, using internet, but more about what the natural human conversation can be like, what we can do to make it feel more like a human conversation. And everything that can help, I think, will be great. Fantastic. Thank you for that advice. Do you have any uh, specific books or blogs that relate to designing for communication? Or maybe if not, then just in general, some of your most favorite design books? Um, one of the most favorite was designed for the real world uh, by Viktor Papanik. It's way less about specific design, design things like communication. It's more about just the philosophy or ethics behind design as a discipline. Um, so I can strongly recommend it for everyone. Uh, and in terms of blogs, I think we have lots of interesting content in our intercom blog. So, and mm -hmm. um, I would even recommend it if I will not be working for intercom because <laughs> I was actually reading this blog many years before I joined intercom. So I can definitely recommend it. Fantastic. Thank you for sharing these resources. Uh, and thank you once again for joining us today. Where can people find you and your work online? Uh, probably one of the easiest ways would be Twitter. Uh, my Twitter username is K00. Um, and then, yeah, uh, if they follow Intercom blog, um, from time to time, I can post something there. Fantastic. Well, thanks once again for your wonderful insights, and I hope you have a great day. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, please leave a review on iTunes. It will help other people discover this podcast.